I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Paul Thorpe. I'm Pete Reese. I'm Adam Pendleberry. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Welcome, chaps. I'm going to come to you first, Adam. How's things? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah, battling on. My medication sends me to sleep. Certainly the first half yesterday didn't help matters very much. So, uh, but yeah, battling on and I'm still in good spirits. I saw you at the game yesterday. You're, you're looking good, so that's the main thing. Right, talking of games, Wigan Athletic nil, Reading 1. Thomas's goal on 63 minutes. A really well-taken free kick. I was a little bit wondering whether it was a free kick in the first place, but having watched the highlights again, I can see why it's been given. But not the uh, result we was all hoping for. No, we certainly weren't no. expecting it either, were we, given our predictions? And given the first 10 minutes, we weren't expecting it either, because we just completely controlled the game for the first 10 minutes. For me, the problem was too much patience, not enough urgency. The turning point for me, bizarrely, was the... Um... The, the, the penalty incident, what I class as a good chance for Lange. Thought he might have hit it first time after his confidence was up on from Tuesday night. Like Paul said, the first 10, 15 minutes dominated it. And then it, it went into a very bitty game after that and a little bit laboured, in, in, in my view. Were good possession, but not really getting anywhere with with it yeah. so mm-hmm. I think that might have been the turning point in time wise yeah, I, I thought there was a lack of snapping our, our player we get the ball and it was touch pass touch pass no first time passing there wasn't a lot of movement and when we were moving it forward we got to the halfway line we stopped and knocked it back and there were times when I think and I know we, we we tend to play that way anyway but I think there were times yesterday when there was opportunities to to get out Reading which we didn't take and in the first half I was talking about that penalty at the game I thought it was 100% nailed on penalty I'm up screaming penalty but when I've watched the highlights I can't tell because the, the camera angle there's somebody stood in front of the camera when when he goes down. So I have absolutely no idea if it was me thinking it was a penalty or or if it genuinely were. So what what's our opinions on that? Basically, agree with you. I thought it was I thought it was another case of Callum's reputation going before him, and he basically he gets nothing in their half. When you look back, it, it looks less clear cut than what it looked at the game which you know at that point you have to maybe give the officials a bit of leeway but I think they were easy on Reading most of the game they definitely had the best of the officials yesterday for me well, I mean, my question would be if it weren't a penalty surely it was a corner they give a dead ball I think I mentioned that to you at half time Barry didn't I that surely the referee must have interpreted that he's got something on the ball let's say it wasn't a nailed on penalty but it wasn't a nailed on free kick either you know for, for for the for the goal, I don't think either. So I think if you're saying who got the best of the fifty fifties in the game, I think Reading Reading did, and there was an awful timekeeping as well. I was just about to say the one thing that was nailed on that didn't happen was the keeper picking up a yellow card in the 89th minute for time wasting. Even that didn't happen. I, th- I think with, with having watched it on match and I follow, my first reaction was because you know the, ca- the camera it was a fairly close-up picture of the penalty. My first reaction was that it wasn't a penalty and, and I kind of stayed with that. It could have been given either way, perhaps, but um, I think it would have been a big call to give it as a penalty myself. So I'm, I'm not too... I don't, I don't think we were too hard done 
too by by it to be quite honest. I'm going to be really controversial here, and I've heard lots of I've seen read lots of criticism, and I've heard lots of criticism, but I didn't think the referee were that bad. If I'm being honest, I thought he he give a lot. It was a very frustrating game yesterday, and, and it was a very disappointing game. And I think that sort of affected how people thought coming out. I heard people were saying it was rubbish. We play at home like we play away. Well, we do, and we have done for two seasons now. I don't think he, I don't think he cost us the game as such. The referee. I just thought there were there were a few inconsistencies with the yellows, yellow cards. I mean, I think I think there were there were a couple of yellows that they could have had very similar offences to what we were what were given to us. I mean, the timekeeping was poor because that eight minutes wasn't eight minutes when you take into account how long it took for the final sub. Uh, the final substitution to take place and like, I don't know why the referee has allowed him to walk all the way across the field which I think is weak referee in there so he's not cost us the game he's not been horrendous I just mm. think he's again he fits the mould nicely of uh, there not being very many good referees in the championship and below and maybe he's slightly better than some of the uh, the, the wrong ones we've had uh, in recent weeks but very low <laughs> well the the eight minutes actually played nine and a half because I, I had my stopwatch on so we mm. played nine and a half he had a, but the only way you'll get around this and I'll say this again and I said it to Chris Foy when we had him on is do what they do in, in rugby, in both codes. Stop the clock. Because out of play, stop the clock. Out the referee's decision. And that way, you play to 90 minutes, but the clock stops. And then everybody knows what's going on. We know they use time wasting to, to break up play as well. Then that's got to be a professional foul. Give them a booking. I, d- I don't think we can complain too much about time wasting and uh, gamesmanship and all the rest of it because I think we've become one of the bigger offenders of that. I mean, we saw that the other night at Huddersfield, um, did it at, at, at Luton as well, and, and especially at Birmingham when we were down to 10 men. Clubs do this, teams do this because they know they can get away with it. And, and personally, I don't like it from any team. I agree with you, Barry. The, the, the game itself has got to find a way of clamping down on it because... And slightly hypocritically, I think, Liam said this in his uh, his press conference that uh, he was frustrated yesterday because of the, the way that Reading approached the game. And, but he, and he, but he, where he's quite right is that at the end of the day, it's the, it's the fans that lose out. Because the, for any number of minutes in a game, they're not actually watching football. They're not watching the football they pay to see. And, it, and so, something needs to stop. I'll, I'll bring you up on this, Adam, because you said our game management has improved. So yeah. is that what, that's what you mean, though, isn't it? The way we see the games out with it. Yeah. To be honest, I think I'm just a typical football fan <laughs> in the sense of uh, when you're doing it, it's great game management. And when the other team's doing it, we struggled under Paul didn't we, three seasons ago to manage the matches. You know, how many late goals did we concede? So you've got to say we have got a lot better at that. And if we have slowed play down, and, and I absolutely agree with the Birmingham game, I don't think we could have been any slower in our, in our restarting. But we had some shocking refereeing in the Birmingham game, didn't we, with the sending off? So I think, uh, let's say game management, uh, I, I'll accept that one, I think. Well, the referee on, on, on Saturday was David Webb, who's uh, no relation to Howard. With that chance in the first half, McGuinness, I was cursing him because he'd, he'd missed the target. But again, watching the highlights, 
really difficult chance. From our angle where we sit in the opposite half, it looked like he had a clear header on goal, but he, he did really well to get it in the first place. But like you say, it's one of those things where you've got one perspective and you get the perspective of the highlight and kind of change your mind a little bit. It goes from being a, where you've been hard done to to where it's more frustration. On the flip side of what Pete was saying, though, about time waste, it does give you an opportunity to have a right good moan, doesn't it? Do a bit of shithousing if it's your team that's doing it. And that's part of the fun. Yeah, leave the rules as they are. Bring that <laughs> clock in. Bring that big clock in, I said. Big clock. Yeah. Bring the big clock in. That's what I said. The cross for McGuinness's chance, Pete, come from Dariqua. And he had Max mm. Power just inside of him, but... He feigned to to knock it to power. Then it, that I thought it was a great cross. It was a it was it was, it was a belting cross. It really mm. was. But it was straight on his head. And if that header had gone in, you'd have that is an absolutely fantastic header because he was his body had taken on such a strange position because he was under pressure from that defender. It would it would have been an absolutely fantastic header. I think he deserves, deserves a lot of credit, McGuinness, for for just having gone so close. But yeah, great cross from Dariqua. Um, I thought he had a, a good game on his return. Forgive me if I've imagined this, because I've not, it weren't on the highlights. Wasn't there an occasion where Lang went through one-on-one and he blazed over the bar? Second half, wasn't it? I think, if it's the one that... Yeah, is it the one where on. Will Keane played it through and he blazed it over? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. To be honest, it, it, it looked a bad miss, but I actually think Will Keane could have helped him a bit more there because he's... I thought he could have made the pass a bit easier for him just to just roll it in, whereas he's he's kind of, he's sort of blasted it over, hasn't he, because of the bounce of it. I wouldn't say it was a gimme, but overall, if you look at the chances we had, I wouldn't say any of them were absolute sitters, you know, like the other field players missed the other night, but... Mm. You know, you've got to say at championship level, if we're getting three or four that level of chance, then you'd like to think that we we'd take at least one of them and and probably get what, in my view, would have been the draw that we we deserved in the game. Keno's chance, I suppose, us us three, myself, Paul, and Adam at the game, Pete, when Keno did that back header, and it, we all thought it were in. But on TV, you know, you can on the highlights, you see it run across the line. Lang was right on the post as well, once he was trying to follow it in. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was extremely unlucky. That was from James McLean's right foot cross as well. That. I was a bit disappointed in McLean yesterday. I, and I think he was playing to orders, but he just never seemed to go forward or get himself forward. Obviously, he's under orders to play your left back. You make sure you're at the back. Well, you know, there's nothing better than a left back that becomes a left winger and a left winger that drops in the covers. I thought he was hamstrung a little bit. Talking of left backs, what's happened to Pearson Bennett? I've no idea. I, I've got absolutely no idea what's what's happened there. For me, you know, McLean is an option, isn't it? To put in the if you need him, particularly if you want to go more attacking later on in the game. But I also think he's one of our most dangerous players in the sense of going forward because he's just very old school. He gets half a yard and he crosses it and we've got the right type of players in, in the box. You know, Will Keane scored a lot of headers. McGuinness, I've been really impressed how good he's been in the air. Charlie White, you know, Lange's not, not Lange can head a ball as well. You know, we've got them, we've got midfielders like, you know, Naylor who could be arriving in there. Just seems to me very, very very odd if the, if either of those two are fit that we play McLean as a left back 
I could see the wing-back argument, possibly. But even then, you know, Piercy, for me, is a perfect wing-back. Are there, are there injuries? Are there little niggles? You know, I'm certainly not criticising Liam Richardson at all. It's just a question, really, more than anything, as to uh, as, as to whether we could utilise one of those left-backs so that McLean could move further forward. But then you've got Tello Asgard going his starts now, so that moves him out the team, doesn't it? Or moves him inside to where Will, Will Keane plays. And I've heard people. Yeah. Well, I've heard people shouting that Keno should be dropped, but I'm top goal scorer creates loads of chances, magic feet. I mean, you've you've got to find some way of. of these are your match winners, aren't they? These lads. Mm-hmm. And talking to Tello, that's that shot he had right on half time as well, and it just clipped the heel of, of a Reading player who went yeah. out. Yeah. O- otherwise, that was in the bottom corner. So I mean, that's another chance. I think on another day, that game could have finished three one to us. Oh, or even 2-0 to them, or 0 apiece. It's one of them. It was, it's definitely, I think you mentioned it on Wednesday, Pete. We've played in a lot of games this season that could have gone either way, and, and, and that was definitely one. Yeah. And Because don't forget Charlie Wax, right at the end of the game, the, on the 90th minute, that header that he had, was very unlucky with. I think if he'd have been up to speed in game time, he, he'd have put that on target, at least, he'd have put it on target and instead he's, he's blazed his header over the bar. It was unfortunate. Yeah. I don't think we can complain about the result at the end of the day. It was probably more, if you're looking at the match objectively, you'd probably say it, it, a draw would have been a, perhaps a fair result. So, the fact that it's gone one goal in their direction, we can't complain too much because we weren't at the races. I didn't think they were any great shakes, but there again, they are high up in the table. They've got some very, very reasonable players. Tom Ince, Junior Hoylett, Kendrick, um, who's, who's played in the Premier League. And Hendrick. A couple of others. Hendrick. Uh, H- Hendrick, sorry, yeah. Kendrick um, is his... Uh... Not, not... <laughs> I hope Kendrick's not playing. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've, got, they've actually got some decent players there. And... So you can see why they're, they're able to put some results together. So, you know, losing to them isn't a disgrace or anything like that. But we should have done better. The performance itself should have been better. There's no question about that. There should have been more speed. The passing should have been crisper, faster. There should have been more movement off the ball. There should have been more intensity in the press. It was all, it was all missing yesterday. Liam's admitted as much, hasn't he? Well, his comments, Liam's comments are, as a, a team collectively, we've got to be better. Sharper and more productive with what we do. We took the game to them and we had enough final third entries. We hit the post, had a couple of chances, but it's a tough league. We've heard that before. And we've got to be at it. Well, I think, every I think he time. said an unforgiving league, didn't he? I think it did forgive us, actually, though, at times yesterday because they did miss a couple of uh, good chances, didn't they, as well? So it's certainly not. If you think back to the dark old days, you know, I'm talking recent dark old days of the championship, you know, on the Malky Mackay and the guy will not will not mention. It was nothing like that in terms of terrible. I just think it wasn't up to the levels that, that Liam has uh, in the last two seasons, that, well, one, one season and nine matches in particular with this group of players, what, it, what he's created. So I think we're all a little bit, disappointed but we're disappointed from a very good benchmark rather than disappointed every week as we were under Mackay and the guy that we won't mention the stats from yesterday 61% possession 10 shots with none on target they had 7 with 2 on target corners 1-3 to three in Reading's favour fouls we committed 10 Reading 12 there were 4 bookings we picked up 3 of those with Charlie White 
Tom Naylor and Graham Shinner. The mm. attendance, 10,113, with 471 coming up from Reading. Uh-huh. Man of the match is voted for by the Progress with Unity listeners on both Facebook and Twitter. Matic's midfielder, Graham Shiniesta. So well done once again. I think that's five times out of the last four. No, four times out of the last five <laughs> now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the way it's going, I, I, he's already voted man of the match for the next time we play. When we play Rotherham in two weeks' time, he's already got it for that. It's he interesting a, he... though, isn't it? Because last season, I know we had some standouts, didn't we? And it was very rare that we got a run where a player had so many man of the matches in a row. You know, the likes of Naylor and Watmore and Lange and Power, the, you know, the, particularly those players and Keno. You know, they all shared it out, didn't they? And it's it's an odd one, really, because I don't think he's been, like, absolutely outstanding where you just say, whoa, he's fantastic. He, you know, he, he just he just runs it. I don't think anyone will be, from the other sides, will be picking him for the PFA player of the season. I just think that he's doing everything for us really well. He's accomplished in what he does. I think the problem we have at the moment in that midfield is that Power's very rarely below a six or seven. Naylor's very rarely below a six or seven. As we said when we were talking about the transfer window, do we have that something a little bit different? I think Thorpe mentioned uh, the other day, didn't he? Possibly about Cousins, you know. But again, he's out for he's out for a bit, isn't he? It might just be variety, but. You know, they're all doing good jobs in that midfield, but we're certainly never going to get battered with this team. Well done to Graham Shinney, really, because he's he's obviously really worked in, in pre-season and probably cemented his place now, you would say. Never going to get battered for getting Burnley. I, I think it's a really but, interesting point, that Adam, about Shinney, about why he's getting it almost every match. Thinking about what you've just said, I, I think a lot of it is to do with, we have got some technically good players, James McLean, Will Keane, Callow, Callum. But I think with with all those, the, the consistency's lacking very often. And that's what Shinny's got at the minute. He's doing it every game. And that's what you that's what you need to do to win yeah. man of the match, isn't it? And within the game as well, Pete, you know, he, he's consistent within the game because all of those players mm-hmm. you mentioned will always have flashes, won't they, in the mm-hmm. game. But then they'll have moments where you think, wow. <laughs> Sometimes you look at him and think, God, that's awful. But then other moments, like Asgard kills one in the corner, doesn't he? Lang does something brilliant. Whereas Shinny does pretty much what Naylor did last year, didn't he? But at a higher level, just does everything really well. And uh, and he's got that bit of energy as well, what fans like. He gets yeah. stuck in, doesn't he? I'd, I'd like to see him uh, a bit further forward because I think he could be somebody very creative for us. Perhaps just be behind the, the three, just behind the main striker. Depends on what system you're playing and so on. But I think he could he could do a good job for us in opening up the defences if he was playing a bit further forward. But Niambi missing yesterday. Edmonds Green as well. Both not on the on the bench. Rumours that they they both feeling unmatched fit. I think that's the way to put it, isn't it? So they're, they're not match fit. Uh, n- nothing sinister going on there at all. James Carragher's gone out on loan to Oldham Athletic. He played yesterday in the three two win over Eastleigh who were a very good National League side. That, that was played at Boundary Park. And it was John Sheridan's final game in charge before he got sacked. They won and Carragher played. So so well done there to James Carragher. Final game in charge before he's reappointed. <laughs> yeah. Can we play away every week? 
own form versus away form. If you look at the form tables, the own form, we're next to bottom, we're 23rd in the championship, having played five and not won a game. We've lost two of those. Swap it round and look at the away form, we're third, having won our last three. It's echoing last season to a certain degree, this, isn't it, where we were much better on the road than what we are at home. But... One thing I did notice as well, Sunderland are not too dissimilar to our record either. They're second in the away form, but 18th in the own form. Yesterday coming off the ground, some people were saying we never change the way we play at home or away. Well, we know that. We, that that happened last season. Do you think we should? Do you think we should play differently? Should we set up differently? Or or is it just, I, oh, I don't know, are we just an away side? Oh, we do. Because we play three at the back sometimes. You know, we'll play more defensive-minded players up top and then swap them out for the more attacking ones. Any any sort of notion that we only play one way is a lot of nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Away, we're much more about counter-attacking football than we are when we're playing at home. Much more of an emphasis on on, um, on breaking quickly with the ball and catching the, the opposing defence out. So... I don't, I don't get that at all. I don't, I don't understand that as an argument that we play the same at home as, as we do away. I don't think that's true at all. But the, but the question then remains is, should we perhaps be doing more counter, sitting back more at home and hoping to counter that? But teams that come to us, they do. You know, the way teams always sit back more. We're not going to get the same ability to uh, counter-attack as, as, as we do away from home. We'd have to have a very special way of playing, I think, in, in order to be a a counter-attacking team at home. Uh, I can't see that happening very soon. Paul Cook often used that, didn't he, in his defence, in the say that, because a lot of fans used to say, well, you know, you set up completely differently away from home. And, I mean, we had a god-awful couple of years away from home, didn't we, under Cook in the Championship, albeit we were brilliant in League One. And he said, well, essentially... (laughs) If I knew the answer to it, you know, I would solve it. But I don't really know whether there is a major issue. It's a very small sample at the moment. I've seen, I didn't see the Preston game. I was in hospital and I couldn't get a good signal. But from what I gather with that, it it was a pretty even game. Bristol City, I think, we, we didn't start well, but I think we certainly definitely worthy of the point. The West Brom game... I thought we, it was an even game, and you know, I thought again. I don't think I don't think there were any major issues, and Burnley were the outstanding side that we played this season. And then the away games, you know, maybe we played the likes of Huddersfield and Birmingham at the right time. Birmingham, lots of problems behind the scenes, and that can be a horrible place to play at home. Huddersfield were on bad form, sacked the manager after the game, and maybe we just just about played Norwich at the right time. So I don't think there's that much difference between the home and away performances. It's just, uh, I think, I can't remember if it was Peter or Paul who mentioned earlier, but uh, the games have been very close this year so it might just be we've had that little bit of extra luck in the away games than we have in the home games and we have to remember as well that if we'd play Coventry away and as most teams seem to do uh, beat them at the minute we'd be in a playoff place at the minute now so I don't think I don't think there's much room for complaint overall is there? just going back to the playing counter-attacking at home two sides won the, the league and the European Cup playing that sort of style Nottingham Forest under Brighton Clough and Aston Villa under Ron Saunders and Tony Barton, who took over from Saunders, but carried on playing the same style. So they played counter-attacking football wherever they played, and they were very exciting to watch. I'm glad you we brought have... up some recent examples there, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> well, Leicester City. Leicester City. 
Internationals coming up this week. The Nations League fixtures with two players called up. James McLean for the Republic of Ireland. He's off to Scotland, Amden Park. And then he's at home to Armenia, uh, Dublin, at the Arriva Stadium next Tuesday, a week of Tuesday. And Josh McGuinness is playing for Northern Ireland. He's got an home tie with Kosovo. And then he's off to Greece, off to Athens, sunny Athens, on the following Tuesday. Couple of bits of information coming out of the club. Latics v Blackburn Rovers has been rearranged for October the eleventh, seven forty-five kickoff, and this coming Wednesday, Latics under twenty-ones entertain Sheffield United under twenty-ones at the DW Stadium, one PM kickoff, and entry is free. So if you fancy watching the kids, you know that work or school or college, get yourself down to the DW Stadium and and watch that. Uh, also, a very good offer from Rotherham. Great pricing for their tickets. That's the first back after the international break. And Old City as well. Really good pricing there. All that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we'll be back on Wednesday with a special guest. If not, it's going to be a week on Wednesday before we're back. We're 12th yeah, in the no. table. Brilliant. Who wants to take this at the start? It's a goodbye from me and up the tick. Up the tick. Up the tick. Up the tick. Up the tick.